Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul writes, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Let's pray together this morning. Gracious God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here to look into your word this morning. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, that you would uh, allow your word to pierce our hearts and allow your word to probe our lives and show us the things that we might need to change. I pray that you'd speak to us now, help us to leave here today different than we came in and seeking to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Paul jumps right in. Paul doesn't waste much time. He gets his pleasantries out of the way, and he jumps right in wanting to address, needing to address, this very important issue of these false teachers. Because it's a very dangerous thing when we start distorting the gospel. And Paul says we've got to, as Barney would say, nip it in the bud, right? We want to nip it. We don't want it going any further than this. And so look at verse 6. I want to look at a few words through here. Make sure we kind of know what a few words mean. Sometimes we just read over things and we might miss something. There's a lot of importance in his words here. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. Turning away. Now, you might knowing there's false teachers coming in, you might think these false teachers are coming in and that they are, they're physically, they're saying, no, you've got to turn this way. No, it's not taking much uh, effort for the false teachers. Not when you've got a spiritually impulsive crowd. You see, this term translated here, turning away, is more like a military desertion. And it signifies or it implies a voluntary desertion. So the Galatian people are voluntarily turning away from the teachings that Paul gave them when he was there in person. They're turning away. They're voluntarily leaving the truth of the gospel. And he says they're not just turning away, but he says they're doing it so soon. Maybe your Bible translates that quickly. It also means easily. It's not taking much effort for these false teachers to come in and turn the Galatians away from the truth. So they're not just spiritually impulsive. It really gives us a deeper insight into their spiritual maturity. It gives us an insight into how much time they really spent studying the teachings of Paul. You know, they didn't have what we have today. We have no excuse for being that spiritually immature once we know Christ and we begin learning because we've got the entire gospel right here. We don't have to wonder We don't have to stop and think, now, is that really true? Because we can go look it up. 
We don't have to believe what outside people tell us. As a matter of fact, the Bible even says you should check for yourself. You should go home today and make sure what I preach from this pulpit is the truth. You shouldn't just believe it for yourself. Compare it to God's Word. Make sure it's the truth. I'm so glad we've got this, and we don't have to uh, just depend like, like they did. They didn't have the written gospel, but they turned away so quickly and so easily. They were spiritually immature. But what were they turning to? See, that's important for us to know. What were they turning to? They said it was a different gospel. And that's what Paul says in verse 6, to a different gospel. But then in verse 7 he says, which is not another gospel. So Paul says there is not another gospel. They were trying to say that in order to be saved, I mentioned this before, they were, the, the false teachers were trying to say that in order to be saved, you needed grace and the teachings of the old covenant. You needed the requirements and the ceremonies and the rituals of the Jewish faith. But let me tell you, you want to get the Apostle Paul stirred up. You tell him salvation requires grace plus anything else. You see, he says there, and uh, on down, uh, he talks about the, the, the gospel that we preached. What was the gospel that we preached? It was the gospel that he preached everywhere else. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart, you will be saved. That for by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so just there from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we see that the rituals of the old covenant and all those things, those don't save you. What saves you? Grace through faith. Nothing else. Paul's a little bit riled up here, and he has every right to be. We see how riled up he is here in just a moment as he talks about the false teachers. But it gets Paul riled up that someone is going behind his back and teaching that there is some other way to be saved. There's not. Grace is the only way. It is the unmerited favor of God. It means it's something you don't deserve, something that I don't deserve, and something we certainly cannot earn. It means we on our own could never and will never be good enough to get into heaven. That there's one way to heaven, and that's through the blood of Jesus. It's through grace. And so in verse 7, he says, this is not another gospel at all. Look what he says in verse 7. He says, but there are some who trouble you, they shake you up, and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. I believe the New American Standard Bible, maybe the ESV, instead of using the word pervert, use the word distort. They distort the gospel of of Christ. You know what that means? They turn it around the opposite way. They turn it around. He said, there's some that are coming around you want to turn the gospel around. And if you turn it around, it is not the gospel at all. Because they're trying to turn it around to mean man's works are required to get to heaven. Paul says, you've turned it in to the opposite of the true gospel message. You know, I really think they had spiritual ADD. That's kind of what I think. Oh, here you learn one thing, and one will believe that for a while, 
Oh, I heard this new preacher on TV, and do you know what he said? I think I'll go believe that way for a while. He sure was entertaining. Anybody ever been guilty of that? Paul teaches them the truth, and it's the only truth that there is, the true gospel of Christ. And so he gives them a very stark warning, and we're getting closer to the point. We're not there yet. We're still in the introductory remarks. He gives a very, very stark warning in regards to these false teachers. And, you know, I think this is something that we all need to take to heart. Beginning in verse 9, I'm sorry, verse 8, Paul says, but even if we, so even if me, somebody you trust to teach the true gospel of Jesus Christ, even if I, or he says hypothetically, even if an angel from heaven comes and preaches to you any other gospel other than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you other than what you have received, let him be accursed. He repeats his statement because it is so important. If anyone ever preaches to you that there's another way to heaven except through the blood of Jesus, let them be accursed. What does that word mean? This is how we know Paul is so riled up. Accursed doesn't just mean sent to hell. Accursed means destroyed in hell. Let them be accursed. That's how serious it is when we start distorting the gospel. That's how serious it is when we start saying, oh, we got to make everybody comfortable. So we're not going to preach about those sins or that sin. You know what? We can't make people comfortable. We've got to teach and preach and live in the truth. Because here's what it comes down to. Salvation is not about the sinner. Okay, can I say that again? Salvation is not about the sinner. It's not about you. And it's not about me. Salvation's all about the Savior. And when the focus of salvation leaves the Savior and becomes more about the sinner, we've distorted the gospel. Salvation is not about what you need to do. Salvation is about what Jesus already did. And so in verse 10, Paul has given this stark warning to these false teachers. These people who were out to get him, these people who wanted to, uh, to ruin his reputation so that the people would believe them instead of him, Paul gives that stark warning. They've been calling him a people pleaser. They've been saying that Paul was really just wanting to uh, tickle their ears, so to speak. And so Paul says in verse 10, For do I now persuade men or God? Let me give you a more literal translation of that. He says these false teachers ought to be accursed. They're, They're trying to say I'm a false teacher. False teachers ought to be destroyed in hell. Now there. Does it sound like I'm trying to please men? That's what Paul says. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For I 
For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Paul says, you can't be a people pleaser and serve Christ. You can't be a people pleaser and serve Christ. You know, unfortunately, there are a lot of people using the term church and they're pleasing people. They're saying, oh, we don't want to talk about... Now, let me tell you, everybody is welcome in this church. I don't care what you've done, who you are, where you've been. You're welcome in this church, but we're going to preach the truth. We're not going to skirt issues so that you feel comfortable. We're going to preach the truth. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? You're looking at a sinner in the pulpit this morning. If we, all, if we only let perfect people come in, you wouldn't have a pastor or an associate pastor. We had to teach the truth. Paul knew what it was like to be a people pleaser. Because Paul used to be one. Paul used to be one. In his former life, before he became Paul the Apostle, you know he was Saul. Saul, who did what for a living? Killed Christians. He killed Christians until Jesus saved him. And the moment he began to follow Jesus, he began identifying as a bondservant, a willing slave to Christ, just like every one of us ought to. And we can't be a bondservant to Christ and a people pleaser at the same time. When it comes to sharing Christ with the world, being a people pleaser detracts from the gospel. Because the gospel isn't about the sinner. The gospel's about the Savior. So all this, all this brings us to the point, to the one question, the question that really should probe into every area of our lives, not just our church life. It ought to probe into our work life. It ought to probe into our family life. It ought to probe into every area of our life, our friendships, everything. Are you ready? I hope you're ready for the question, because once you hear the question, I think you're probably going to be held accountable for what you do with it, okay? You ready for the question? Who are you trying to please? That's the question. That's the one point of the whole sermon. Who are you trying to please? When you go to work, who are you trying to please? At home, who are you trying to please? At school, who are you trying to please? You know, in your family life, within your friendships, as you seek to live your life for Jesus, who are you trying to please? Paul says, if I was trying to be a people pleaser, I couldn't serve Jesus. Who are you trying to please? It goes far beyond just what we like to think of going out and witnessing. It goes into every aspect of our life. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul said in verse 23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Whatever you do, seek to please the Lord, not men. Wait, what did he say should please the Lord? Whatever you do. 
does that pretty much encompass every aspect of our lives? Yeah. That's no exclusions there. Whatever you do. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, Paul says, Therefore, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, don't do it to please other people. Do it to bring glory to God. And you say, oh, this is well and good. I'm sure there may be some benefits to my life on this earth if I live that way, but you really don't know my situation. You see, in order to move up the ladder, in order for people to like me, I really need to please some people. Well, if you need some motivation to live where you're only seeking to please God and not other people, turn back a few pages to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me tell you, if this won't motivate you, I don't know what will. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, to be well-pleasing to God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he was done, whether good or bad. You need some motivation to live a life that's well-pleasing to God? One day you're going to stand before him. Let me tell you, let that sink in for a minute. As you're going through life and you encounter a situation, we all need to think, one day I'm going to stand before God himself and answer for this. What do I want to tell him I did? What do I want to tell him my decision was? Will he be pleased? You know, I think we do a disservice to the gospel when we try to classify sin as to whether or not it fits in a list. When we try to classify sin as to, oh, this won't really hurt anybody. It only affects me. It's my life. Do whatever I want to do. Or we try to fit it in some little list. In our mind, we've said, oh, this is a sin and this is not. Well, sin is not just things we can put on a list. It's leaving God out of our lives. It's leaving God out of the the choices we make. It's when we do anything that is displeasing to him. It's when we seek to please someone else or do something else or please an organization or do whatever and compromise our pleasing him. You know what else it is? Sin is doing thing, or refusing to do things that we know will please him. You may not do something that's necessarily bad, but maybe you refuse to do something that pleases him. You know, that's sin. So the question, who are you trying to please? 
That's the question that I hope we all go home and think about this afternoon. That's the question that as we walk through our life every single day, every decision we make, we think, wait, who am I really trying to please? Am I trying to please God? And will this decision please God? Or am I just trying to please someone else? Now, it's okay to please other people as long as God is pleased as well. But who am I trying to please? As musicians come, maybe your main focus in life has been on pleasing other people. And you've left God out of the equation. I hope that you'll take time during this invitation where you're at or at the altar or whatever to to repent. And say, God, I'm sorry for not living a life and leading a life that has been well-pleasing to you. Turn away from that and seek to please him. I tell you this morning, though, there's, you can't live a life pleasing to God unless you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Unless you believe the true gospel, that gospel that Paul talked about, where if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. By grace you're saved through faith. Will you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today? That's the first step to living a life that's well-pleasing to God. Whatever the Lord's laid on your heart this morning, I hope you'll take care of that as we stand.